Island Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. This episode of the IPBN podcast is a follow-up to our annual St. Patrick's Day Sustainability Conference. Chair of the IPBN board, Aoife Healy, sat down for a chat at the Irish Embassy in Portugal with Ireland's Minister of State with Responsibility for Public Procurement and E-Government, Ocean Smith, TD. Good morning, everybody. I am delighted to be joined by Minister for State for Communications, the Circular Economy, Gov Digital Government and Procurement this morning, Minister of State Ocean Smith. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. You are a member of the Green Party and could you tell us a little bit about how you got into green politics in the first place? Yeah, my background is in computer science. I used to work for Microsoft, so I was sitting at a computer screen all day uh, and I was solving, you know, computer problems, and then I began to get interested in the problems, the wider problems in the city and in the environment. How could I solve those? And so I just began to take part in politics. I got elected to local government, got elected the mayor, then a TD, and then I found myself here as a, as a minister, and I'm in Portugal. So that, that's the kind of short, short, short story. Very, you know, it, it, trying to be brief about it, um, Green politics has seen a huge emergence over the last couple of years and they are now quite embedded in many of the governments around Europe, which has been a sea change. I think people are starting to see green becoming out of idealism and going into a very practical realm. In your experience in government, how has that worked out, taking it from the, the idealism into very practical implementation of solutions and policies? It was always the intention of the Green Party to go into government. We've been in government before. The Greens are in government in many cities around Europe, uh, many countries around Europe, including, including in Germany now, uh, critically. So we, we, certainly that was, that was all, always our, our intention. And I guess what's changed is that in the past, uh, green politics might have been seen as something unusual, something different, something alternative. Now it's become a lot more mainstream. We don't really have to sell the idea of whether we should go green or not to, to other politicians or to the public. It's how we do it, really. And it has become accepted across European policy as well. So it is up to people are not, no longer looking at me and thinking, look at these crazy ideas you have. Instead, they're looking at me and saying, what's the best way to do this? Mm -hmm. And in your role of communications, obviously you came into the role in the middle of a pandemic where the emphasis was on digital communications. That has brought its own challenges in that now there's a lot of decentralisation, people are examining the need for huge big office campuses. What do you think the future holds and how is that sustainable in terms of our cities? Okay, so the pandemic obviously accelerated the digitalisation of society. It meant that uh, people who had not gone online to do things before, who would have been in the habit of going into a government office or filling in a form, uh, were forced to go online and then found that it was convenient. And people, you'll know yourself, older people were making video calls to their children. Uh, we were able to go to the doctor on a video call. And, you know, at some point during that, people thought, some of this stuff we want to hold on to afterwards. So there has been, uh, a, it has accelerated the, the digitalization change, the, the, uh, the pandemic certainly has. And overall, by and large, the communications networks managed. They held up. So it was very difficult because our communications networks were set up for the vast majority of traffic coming out of offices during the day, and they had to switch to that traffic coming from people's homes because they were working from home. 
Um, we're encouraging people to continue to work from home in the future. And that's having benefits like reducing the stress of commuting. It's making people get, be able to get a better work-life balance, dealing with childcare problems and so on. So overall, I think there's a general feeling that there is a positive, but at the same time, people really miss the human connection of being able to see each other face to face. So I think what we're moving away from is you know, uh, 40 hours a week of being in the office towards you know, 20 hours a week of being in the office, something like that. And communications is the, is the facilitator for that. And what impact will have that have on cities? Is it they will become better places to live or do you see people moving out, to the, out of the cities and into more rural locations? And is it an opportunity for uh, rural regeneration? It's definitely an opportunity for improvement because I've noticed that the suburban areas are becoming a lot more vibrant, um, local towns becoming more vibrant and villages. It's, it's, but it's putting a difficulty or, or a pressure on the city centre that up to now has thrived on a whole lot of people suddenly coming into the city centre for a few hours every day. So I think what we really need to do is to repopulate our city centres. We need more people living in the city centre and offices being more, more broadly spread out. I think, I think that's what's coming for cities, but it is broadly positive. Mm -hmm. And if we move on to your role in procurement and the circular economy, obviously the government has a huge role to play in driving the policy agenda for saying that we need to reduce, reuse and recycle. But at the same time, we're very focused on the new and the innovative. How do you marry the two of those into one? Uh, well, I think one thing is that the government can give um, certainty to businesses about what the policy landscape is going to look like for another 10 years. So we can say, for example, we're definitely building five gigawatts of offshore wind power, or we're definitely retrofitting half a million homes, or we're definitely spending eight billion euros on that project. And by, by giving that policy certainty, businesses know that they can invest into that sector, but also the average person knows that they can apply for skills in that sector and that they'll have a job in, in that area. So I think what, what, the, what the, the government's role is to give that regulatory and investment certainty to businesses to know that they can invest and that they, that they will be supported in this. You know, for a long time there was an idea that you had to choose between the environment and business. You know, that what was good for the environment was bad for business or, or, and, and the other way around. And now it's clear that, you know, that the environment needs the economy and the, econ the economy needs the environment. The two things go together. And a healthy environment, a city with a healthy and strong environment has a strong economy as well because it attracts people who want to live in that, in, in that pleasant environment. So how do you invest in, in focusing the innovation on the circular economy rather than uh, like new extractive industries or development of, of more technology? How do we reuse and, and build it into a package of, of a circular economy where we're not extracting as much as we were previously and we're regenerating what are, from what we've got already. I think there are two parts to that. One thing that governments can do is to make sure that the taxes are aligned and the incentives are aligned to, to encourage people uh, towards, towards circularity. Because for a long time, we were the opposite. You know, the world economies were focused on consumption. Consumption was the measure of wealth. And, it's, and circularity is something very different. It's, it's almost the opposite of, of it's moving away from, from a consumer society. So changing the, changing the incentives around subsidy and taxation is important. The second part is education. So uh, explaining to people and giving people um, 
a, a different choice of options. So not telling people, look, this is what you shouldn't do. Instead saying to people, here's how you can do something different. Here's something productive that works. Here's an example. Here's the testimonies of somebody who has changed for the better and it's worked for them. Here's a business that, that's in the circular economy that's succeeding. So I think that's government's role. Taxation, regulation, subsidy and education. And how are the Green Party implementing those policies at the moment? Well, the, it, your, your question is wrong. How's the Green Party doing it? Yeah, well, how's it, the government? It, it has, yeah. to, be, it has, it has to, be to be whole of government. So these things don't work if it's seen as a Green Party initiative, doing Green Party things for Green Party people on the fringe. The whole, the whole business as usual system has to change and it has to come from all of government. So our circular economy strategy in Ireland is called the whole of government circular economy strategy. I have to sit down with people from every government department and say, what are the things you are doing? Assign tasks to them, get them bought into the system, give them the information and the budget that they need to do it, and then everybody works together. So that, that's, that, that's how it works. Great. And are you excited or a little overwhelmed by the scale of the challenges that we not face, not only in Ireland, but on a pan-European or even global basis. I'm a very optimistic person, but also part of what, what reassures me and the average person looking at the circular economy is they know that this is how things used to work. You know, there was a time in our parents' generation where when something broke, you got it fixed, you didn't buy it new. You know, where things lasted longer, where, you know, if you, you bought your clothes to be mended, your shoes to be mended, your TV was fixed. So, you know, we need to move back towards something that used to work before, an economy with more, more local employment, repairing, maintaining, sustaining things, rather than digging things out of the ground, using them, throwing them away or burning them. So, you know, that's, that, that's the change. And people know, people know instinctively that that is the right thing to do and that that will give, bring a, a, a stronger, lasting form of prosperity. This has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pinkroom. For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com and on LinkedIn at Island Portugal Business Network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.